Okay, now we have decorative music in the background. And as I heart country radio playing, my wife wanted to listen to country, so she got what she wanted. She gets to listen to country on my uh, account. Um, this episode is going to be about Big Pharma. Welcome to Speak Up. And this episode is, yes, Big Pharma. We're going to be talking about all that. Let's dive right into it because I got a feeling this may end up being more than one single episode of the podcast. This may end up being two, but split up. Like, I talk about it two different times. Now, um... A lot of uh, a lot of people on Facebook complaining, uh, constantly complaining about big pharma, and you know the uh, what should and should not be approved, like the whole medical marijuana versus uh, experimental painkillers that help improve people's lives. Well, let's get into it. Big pharma, the, uh, big pharma as it's known as, consists of. Johnson & Johnson, Roche, Pfizer, Novartis, Bayer, GlaxoSmithKline, uh, Merck & Co., uh, Sanofi or whatever, uh, Abby, Abbott Labs, Ella, Eli Lilly, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Gilead, Gilead C, I think, AstraZeneca, Teva Pharmaceuticals, uh, Boehringer, Takeda, Novo Nordisk, Biogen, LabCorp, uh, Baxter Inc., Mylon, and there's only there's only a few companies that uh, that uh, are consistent, but these are all the, these are most of the uh, what 27 major companies controlling all of it. Now, as a matter of point, we're gonna be to, we're gonna hit this topic up first of overpricing of commonplace drugs like with the Martin Shkreli case. He's former CEO of Turing Pharmacy, former uh, CEO of Retrofin. Um, he was the asshole who raised the price on an HIV drug from $13.50 per pill, $13.50, to $750 per pill. He's a former trust manager um, who made the drug 56 times more expensive. And then you have, um, I forget who, uh, what, chick, what the name of the chick was, who raised, uh, who, who, uh, was in charge of Mylon and replaced the price of EpiPen from $50 to $600 plus. And these are both drugs that could have easily done a lot of good, but of course, if you know anything about pharmacies, you'll know that pharmacies, big pharma right now, is about profit. Like everybody talking about how, oh, there should be a, a cure for cancer by now with all the money we poured in. Well, let me uh, let me explain something to you. Rumors of a one-dose cancer uh, med have been everywhere and, and might actually exist. I mean, I've heard of them. I've heard the rumor about several different drugs. If that if it does that in a single dose, if it can cure cancer or um, replace chemo or get rid of AIDS in one shot, 
it would actually cripple the economy in a very bizarre manner. Um, one dose meds would be awesome for patients and simultaneously put Big Pharma into bankruptcy because then you'd have people buying one pill, you're done. And that's not the way pharmaceutical companies work That when their financial backers work on the instance of we need to we need to, we want to make money so you make a pill that eliminates every kind of cancer in one shot one pill and these investors have put in bill, uh, millions of dollars unless you sell that one pill for a cool million dollars every time it gets sold you're gonna, uh, pharmaceutical companies lose that money and the way that the drug companies used to be, the way Big Pharma used to be, was they would develop their own damn drugs. They would market them, research them, and test them independently. Then they would come to the government for um, approval. And now the way it's working now is uh, we, the people, and our government that we pay to do this stuff for us, introduce, get, find new drugs, research them, do all the testing and all this crap on our dime. We publicly pay for this research and development. Then, the patent comes up for sale, a company buys it, and instead of us getting our money back through selling it publicly, the pharmaceutical company that buys it, whatever firm that is, they take it, they jack the fucking price up, and then they sell the ever-loving hell out of it, which, good business, bad, uh, bad humanity. So, yeah, I, I tend to see it as a bit of a failing on our part. I mean, most of us are like, well, this drug will help these people. I mean, if there was a cure, if there was a pill that cured diabetes, that woke up your pancreas and made it do every little thing it's supposed to do, and you ended needing insulin, then yes, I would buy it. I would even pay out the ass for it if one pill solved my mother's diabetes. If it just ended her diabetes right there, yes, I would spend a lot of money on it because that's my mom. But at the same time, that would also end every company that's dependent on diabetes patients because the, all the all the all the people that are employed in all these buildings around the world would not have jobs. And no, I'm not condoning big pharma taking advantage of society like that. But y'all start to remember, in the pharmaceutical industry as it stands today is a for-profit industry. It's for-profit. If it helps humans out, okay. If it's dangerous to humans, but solves one tiny niche, 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 niche problem, they're okay with it because it, at least it did so. At least it did something. And yes, big farmer would sell you a sugar pill if they knew you would spend money on it. And that's a flat fact. In business, like the pharmacy business, you have to remember it's for profit. There, are the the investors who dump money into this need a return period. I know that pisses some of you off, but let's look at it this way. If you took all the pain meds off the market and actually standardized testing, in, like in different countries, <coughs> weed, for example, marijuana, in different countries around the world, all over the world, in different countries, 
uh, they've actually made the uh, assumption or the conclusion that cannabis oil or THC oil or whatever you want to call it, weed, helps with chronic pain and all this other junk. It helps you calm down and sedate you because it's a downer. We're the only country in the world who calls weed and THC a psychoactive drug. Yes, I actually looked that up. Have I done weed? Hell yes, I have smoked weed, I've inhaled, and I got stoned. I'm the first person to admit that I did it, and we're talking, this is around the turn of the century. For like, I graduated in 99, and I was no crap stoned for two years. I was working jobs, I was a productive member of society, I paid my taxes, so I don't have, I didn't have a problem with it. And, but then again, I, I come to find out, uh, back in the mid-2000s, that most places want you to go through a piss test because they don't want you doing any drugs at all. But yeah, in, in other countries, they've approved medical marijuana because they found that it does reduce pain. It suppresses pain. Okay. Now, we've got scientists over here that are all like, okay, well, it doesn't physically prove... We, we have no test that proves that it will um, counteract pain. And the sad part is there are actually ways of testing pain to see if it's lessening. But you know what happens to those tests? Oh, those tests don't matter. Those tests aren't scientifically proven. Those tests aren't... Those tests don't meet our standard of proof. I'm sorry, but if they count in every other field but that... Then why are they? Then why aren't they concluded on that one? Okay. Now, I tried to look up what psychoactive means, and I checked Wikipedia and uh, WebMD and a few other sources, trying to hunt down what this bullshit uh, psychoactive crap means, and I still can't find a reasonable scientific explanation of that term, psychoactive. I mean, yeah, the, the, the industry tries to stand up and say this is a psychoactive because it'll cause you to hallucinate and act funny. Okay, I call bullshit on that. Now, if you take all the pain med companies and eliminate all their meds off the market, you've got trillions, not millions, not billions, but you've got trillions of dollars just wiped out, uh, wiped out and off the market, right? Now, for all that, for all those chemicals and bullshit that we they keep telling us to ingest because this will make you feel better, but it's not really a long-term solution. They replace that with fields and fields and you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions of thousands. And yes, you uh, millions of thousands is an actual thing. It's not very intelligent, but then again, I'm bad with numbers. But you replace, you know, statewide acreage of bullshit, whatever, with growing cannabis or growing marijuana. And you don't have to grow uh, cannabis sativa to do it either. There's more than just cannabis sativa because, like, Charlotte's Web is made from a particular strain of uh, cannabis. And it's not cannabis sativa. 
and this Charlotte's Web, once you extract the um, the uh, liquid out of it, or the necessary components, it creates Charlotte's Web, and you feed Charlotte's Web to a kid who, uh, who doesn't really do anything because they're too busy having seizures. He shoots this crap into their uh, mouth, wait about 10 minutes, and they go from a useless lump of flesh, as, you know, scientifically that's what they are, as a, as a lump of flesh that's shaking, all of a sudden they become a thinking, you know, they can, they can express themselves for the first time and all this. I've watched, I've watched videos on kids that have upwards of 200, um, what do you call them? God, what do you call them? Seizures a day, 200 seizures a day. And they can't function because they're constantly having a seizure. That same kid is given uh, uh, Charlotte's Web. They wait 10 minutes after the Charlotte's Web is introduced into the system. And that kid, for I think it's 8 to 10 hours, I think, becomes completely normal and high-functioning as any other kid for the first time ever. They turn into normal children. Now, by my way of thinking, there's only two possibilities. One... The kid always needs to be fed this oil for the rest of its life, which means it's going to have a lifelong dependency on what the government classifies as a, 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 a psychoactive drug. Or two, the child should have been born in the first damn place. I'm not advocating abortion by any stretch of the imagination. Let's get that straight now. But it just really unnerves me that uh, there are some people who are like, well... They need to go to a doctor and get a prescription for... And some of these kids, the, the videos I've seen, the kids can't take any medication because either they're allergic to it or it doesn't do anything for their condition. If our medicine is that bad, why are we giving it to our kids? If it only has... If it only lessens the seizures, then how's that medicine? Medicine is supposed to make you better and give you a better quality of life. If it's not doing that, then it's clearly not worth looking into. And I'm not advocating for uh, uh, everybody to get high and stoned, stoned all the time. I did it my share of my, uh, of my life. But at the same time, when the rest of the world takes a view on a different view on weed as we do, well, and we're stuck with the old, uh, old tropes that our parents and grandparents grew up with, well, it'll make you go crazy. Because that's what it did with the blacks. No, it didn't do any such fucking thing. It did no such goddamn thing ever. I'm sorry, but you get you get a white guy, you get some dr uh, you get some uh, run-of-the-mill drum uh, drum dead uh, brain dead redneck. Get him a shitload of whiskey so that he's drunk, and then piss him off. He'll tear shit up too. So saying that a black man smoking a reefer, uh, smoking a marijuana cigarette, and then he goes fucking crazy because you call, you call him the N-word, I'd probably knock your teeth out too. That's and I, that's the, a lot of the issue behind a lot of that crap. And I've probably pissed at least a few of you off by now, but I don't care. This is my podcast, and I'm going to talk about the, these issues. Now back to big pharma. Big pharma will market a drug. They're the ones who originally brought you the, uh, a blood pressure drug that was known, I forget what the name of it was, 
but later, when it found out it was actually, when it was found out to be in a, uh, relatively ineffective at blood pressure, guess what they found when they did clinical, when they started uh, going through case after case after case of this medicine? It eventually became Viagra, and it was marketed as the erectile dysfunction pill. Okay, now where the hell was I? Yeah, where the... Um, let's see, where was I? Yeah, my daughter just came in and w was staring at me, so I had to stop. Because I've already started telling her when Daddy's doing his podcast not to interrupt him too much. But, um... Yeah, when they... Okay, we were on Viagra. When Viagra was originally marketed, it was not called Viagra. It went, I believe it still went by the same name that it's on the, uh, that was listed under as Viagra name. But it was for blood pressure. And when it found out that was relatively ineffective against blood pressure, it, didn't, it only lowered it a little bit, so it was generally ineffective. They found out that men, after taking this medicine, men would go home and finally get an erection. Some of these guys hadn't had an erection in 40 years. What the hell they were waiting 40 years to get it on with their wife is beyond me. I go 40 years without giving it to my wife. She's going to kill my ass. <laughs> but, um, yeah. This is the th and that's the thing. Just like with cancer medications, the same thing, the same thing is going to go with the profit. If you come up with a cure for cancer that's one dose, and a company buys your uh, cure... For $24 million, let's say. And they want to make their money back plus some. Well, they have two options. One, create a generic version of the medicine you created. Or two, dilute the medicine that you created down so that it takes uh, for never to work. For, uh, uh, it either takes forever to work or it never works. And if they do that and then raise the cost of the, if they, if they raise the cost of the crap medications and all that, they stand to make more money off you in that in the long run because they're giving you crappy medication or ineffective medicines to make a profit. You guys should already know this by now, but just in case you didn't, that, yeah, if, if you had the cure for diabetes, you sell it to a big pharmacy company. And they pay you billions upon... They pay you millions upon millions. <clears throat> and they raise the price of it to be $1 million a dose. And it eradicates, you know, whatever. Then all you need is one dose. They're going to have to charge well over a $1 million per pill to even get their money back. For something like diabetes or cancer, they would have to charge out the ass. Like, imagine they charged you $5 million for one pill, but you were guaranteed never, ever to get cancer, any kind of cancer, ever again by taking this pill. You would spend the, you would find a way to spend the $5 million to get that one pill and never have to worry about cancer, right? Of course you would. That's the way we humans work. On the other hand, you get a, you get a cancer patient who is really rich and they already know there's they haven't heard of this cancer for this uh, cure for cancer and you dilute the original 
Yeah, say the, say the pill you give him is about the size of a horse pill, you know, a huge fucking, like, calcium pill. Now you take that calcium pill, and you put it in a five-gallon bucket of really hot-ass water. Drop the pill in there, mix it all up so that it gets spread out. And then, instead of letting the person drink just from that, every time you go in to get a cup of liquid, and I'm talking one single cup, you... Put the, you get the cup of the medicine that's already diluted. Put that in another five-gallon bucket. Fill that five-gallon bucket up the rest of the way with uh, water. That medicine is relatively ineffective. Then you take a cup of that water, put another five-gallon bucket, fill it up. You've got a medicine that doesn't actually work very well at all, if ever. And that that last bucket is the one that they that they're gonna give to the cancer patients because they can charge because the actual cure is the, the cure to the cancer is it is a very small ingredient in what you've been given it's mostly water it's mostly bullshit but there's like two atoms worth of the actual cure in it so they're going to charge you for those two atoms of cure so they charge you for that and then they keep on dipping out of each jar and they put in another cup into the, la- uh, the bucket before the last one and keep doing that until that bucket's empty and keep repeating the process. You're, you're literally just taking years of diluted bullshit and they'll charge a full price because the cancer's actually in it even though the cure for cancer is pretty much ineffective and dead at that point, right? Now, you go back to the original pill which is put in a five-gallon uh, five bucket. And you lessen that. You take an eye. You you take an eye drop, or a, yeah, you know, well, you know what I'm talking about. Take an eyedropper. Fill it up with that crap, and then put it in another bucket and fill that whole bucket up that was had that little eyedropper full of uh, the diluted cure. Fill it up, and you keep doing that until you've got four buckets of uh, diluted, then diluted, then diluted, then diluted, and then pretty much non-existent medicine. That's what a lot of the medicine, a lot of the medicines are for, is to make the drug companies profit. If they sold you the one pill and you never had to pay for it again, they'd have to charge you upwards of five million dollars a pill. If it's diabetes, it's the same way. They're going to give you insulin. They're going to give you pills. The pills don't correct the situation. They only keep you functioning. You aren't meant to survive diabetes. You're me- meant to uh, you're meant to survive with it, not survive through it. So the first person that comes up with a diabetes drug should, with a cure, actual cure for diabetes, that's beyond exercise and a well-balanced diet. I'm talking if somebody actually comes up with a pill for it that cures it, release it publicly. Have it set on a time release. Don't tell anybody you did it. Then when it releases. After you've gotten your money from the drunk company for selling it to them, you've released it because you didn't sell them the copy that you made, and they're out. They get screwed out of all their money because they now have to compete with everybody having it. Okay, now let's see. Now, they have pushed harmful drugs under the reasoning of making profit. That's a part of business, period. That's just business for you. Now, 
As I told you before, the drug companies used to pay for testing and developing the beds by themselves, and when they said they had to charge more or find another use for the uh, for a medication or a drug, they weren't lying. Drug companies actually used to do this. They actually used to do their own uh, R&D development and testing. Now drug companies started the practice of buying drugs that are up for purchase after we, the taxpayers, already funded the testing and development of the drugs in question. Now, why are our elected officials, our, our government, why is our government selling drugs that we haven't made, that we the people funded and haven't made a profit off of yet? Why? Because drug companies will pay billions of dollars to get their hands on it so they can market the hell of it and then charge whatever the hell they want to make up for the money that they don't have. And yes, it's already been proven that the drug companies, they come up with, they'll come up with an ineffective solution. They'll come up with an ineffective solution just to sell you hope. I don't disagree with selling hope, but if it's fraudulent hope, then yes, I disagree with it. And just like my wife, my wife has asthma. If they came out with a with a medication that completely cleared up her asthma and completely cured every form of asthma there is, and they wanted us to pay $2,000 for that pill, I don't know about her, but I'd be happy to pay for a $2,000 pill to cure asthma. But are they going to come up with that pill? Hell no. It's... They're going to sell us a 16 times diluted form of the original drug. You know, the five gallon buckets of water with a little bit of the cure in it. That's how they're going to operate it. They're going to sell you the cheapest, most uh, most inefficient way of getting the cure. And you can just live with it. Because they're going to make more money off of giving us diluted medicine than they will off... Say they offered the pill for $2,000. Well... You'll still pay for uh, you'll still pay for something if it has the same cure ingredients in it. Okay, so they dilute it and dilute it some more, dilute it some more, dilute it some more. After a few steps, you've lost most of the medicine. You're getting a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of that medicine, and yet they're still going to say, "Well, this costs two thousand dollars, but the cure costs two thousand dollars." Yeah, but we can't give you the cure. Why not? Because it, you're not paying enough. Okay, what what sense does that make, right? And yes, I have a particular problem. Uh, I have particular issues with the uh, big pharmaceutical companies because, for uh, for one, it's a human problem, and then it's a it's a a, a a regulation problem. You've got a drug that can. If you've got a drug that can cure AIDS in one hit, they take it once, they're done with AIDS. The drug companies don't want a cure for AIDS because having a cure for AIDS means they're out of business. They can't market their drug to existing AIDS patients. They can only do it to future AIDS patients. And as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong, but I could swear that the epidemic of AIDS has gone down. It's declined. The use of meth and all these other drugs has skyrocketed. And just like when Purdue Pharmaceuticals, uh, another part of Big Pharma, 
when they filed, they have actually tried to file for chapter, uh, chapter 11 bankruptcy protection after a judge ruled against them. Now, in my thinking, okay, somebody finds out you ch uh, cheated and you uh, uh, marketed, these uh, marketed these drugs and pushed them into the market uh, unscrupulously and without callous concern, reckless, endanger reckless uh, indifference, you should pay the settlement. Then file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. And, yeah, there, I'm pretty sure every single person that you or I know knows somebody who's addicted to meth or has smoked meth or is still addicted to meth for that matter. I'm not hating on the meth addicts. I'm hating on how the hell they got the meth. Uh, on how the hell they got the meth. You know, just like fentanyl, people are complaining about fentanyl. Well, if fentanyl did, if somebody wasn't able to get fentanyl, they wouldn't get high. Just like uh, methadone. There, uh, unless I'm mistaken, I think methadone was what uh, supposed to shut down your body's reaction to uh, doing meth. So if you take something that in, in incapacitates you from being able to get high off of meth, and you do a buttload of it. Why would you even bother trying to do meth again? Because it will kill you trying to get high again. And just like when they took... Uh, they took a lot of uh, pseudoephedrine products off because you could start making crank and meth with it, I guess. The issue is, is a whole lot of people were using it to for our allergies. I know I was one of them. So we use pseudoephedrine to clear our sinuses and get, you know, our, our, get our uh, heads back on straight. What we didn't need is a bunch of fucking uh, uh, drug addicts boiling pseudoephedrine down and turning it into crank and meth and everything else that you turn that shit into. That's one thing we didn't need. And yeah, when you got all the when you got all these people, all these uh, cooks, drug cooks, yes, like Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. From Breaking Bad, we're talking about those kind of cooks. Well, you've got cooks who will literally do the chemistry just to make a drug to get themselves high. It's a bad thing. How they manage to get all that stuff, in, how they manage to get the ingredients for all that, I don't care. I don't want to know. What's disturbing to me, though, is fentanyl is supposed to be controlled, as is methadone, and people are still getting it. So who's giving it away? It's like the it's like the righteous debate about gun owners. Gun owners are like you ain't taking my gun out of my cold dead hands. Okay, so we're not gonna punish we're, we're gonna punish everybody, but at the same time, in the exact same hand, the gun owners aren't breaking the law by owning and lawfully lawfully obeying all the gun laws and everything. But the people who managed to get the guns, the felons, the gang members, all that crap who are getting guns, how are they getting the guns? Think about that for a second. How are they getting the guns? Somebody is selling those guns black market. That would be where the issue lies. Not the fact that the gun, uh, not the fact that they went to some gun show and got them. It's, and yes, I do. I'm a huge proponent for background checks at conventions and gun shows because they need it. They need it badly, as a matter of fact. 
but you know, well, it's our my constitutional right to own a weapon. If you're a felon, legally, you're not allowed to own a firearm by law. But yeah, that's the, that's the whole debate in a nutshell. It would same with drugs. If somebody wasn't giving the drugs up or what out, they wouldn't be on the system. They wouldn't be out of the system. They would be controlled substances. And you can say they're controlled categories, category one substance. Okay, then explain the pounds and pounds and pounds of fentanyl that are cut up and distributed as drugs. You can't. Somebody's intentionally doing this for profit to make sure they have money in their pocket. I understand the mindset, but not the means to an end part. The means to an end part's a bullshit excuse. That's laziness. And yeah, we should be exploring how to end the meth and fentanyl crisis now. Instead of, well, we're going to need to do about 10 years research. No, don't, stop doing research. Stop th- sticking your thumb up your ass and hoping to God someone will come up with something. For instance, with the whole uh, e-cigarette thing, people are now dying from e-cigarettes, whether they, whether they contain THC or flavorings or whatever. I think it was about 10 years ago this vaping thing actually took off. And at first, the juices were organic. And then, I guess somebody complained because they were taking somebody, uh, one company with a big player in the e-juice game was losing money to these weird flavors and everything. And so they sick the FDA on them. And and if you have an organic... uh, material in you have to have it FDA approved to sell and that apparently costs like a million dollars or some weird crap like that and apparently everybody thought was just being lazy and they decided to go the artificial the artificial flavorings route and literally the only real thing you're getting out of uh, vaping fluid is one nicotine and two, possibly THC. Now, I'm not advocating against THC. Anybody who know, and if you've heard me at the beginning of this, you know I'm not advocating against smoking weed or THC. Hell, if it was, if there was a way to get it in this state, I'd probably already have the ability to do it. But that's not the point. I'm not advocating against it or for it. I've done it. I'll admit that I've done it. But that was like 18 plus years ago. Now. The pharmaceutical company, if they get replaced by pot, (laughs) billions, billions, if not trillions, T-R-I-L-L-I-O-N-S, trillions of dollars would go missing, not because they disappeared, but because you have billions, if not trillions of hand over fist dollars going back and forth between drug companies. Doctors, drug companies, insurance companies, all they're all trading hands. They're all greasing each other's palms. I get why the doctors and nurses and shit do it, but it's still not right. But imagine all those billions and trillions of dollars 
all of a sudden vanishing. You couldn't throw money at a problem. Well, then you've got a bunch of CEOs who have a bunch, who have a, a crap load of money sitting in their bank that'll die eventually. Yes, money has a life cycle. Money will eventually die that they're holding on to because at some point, either they will get indicted for breaking the law, or two, they're going to have to give that shit away because if they don't have any kids, yeah, you got you. You see that? I'm pretty sure you can see the logical conclusion of that. Uh, scenario that's why I said if if the one dose medication came out and you had one pill for diabetes, one pill for cancer one pill for this, one pill for that one pill for AIDS and everybody start, and everybody flooded the market buying them and then all, the, all those diseases were done and ended literally the economy would collapse why would the economy collapse? Because investors wouldn't get a return on their money. <coughs> drunk companies wouldn't oh, wouldn't wouldn't need marketing people anymore. The drunk company the drug companies would collapse. And where's all their money go to? Nobody. It floats. It, it's pixie dust. You can say that it exists in some bank somewhere. Okay, but what after so long? they either have to give it back to the government of the person's origin or they absorb it themselves and just add it to their surplus of uh, dead money which they use at their own discretion for their own things that's why I said it would be a it, it could be necessarily a bad thing for the economy if all these if we made a, a one pill cure-all for all these different ailments you take a pill you don't have to deal with pain for the rest of your life, but I think that's a, I think that's a uh, oversimplification of pain. For example, my wreck caused me to lose my left ankle, which was partially rebuilt, and now I have a permanent limp. And I'm every every single day that I wake up, I'm happy. Why am I happy? Because I got to wake up. My life should have ended the night of the accident. October 3rd, 2016, I should have been no more. I lived through it. I woke up in unimaginably hellacious pain. And I had people, I had all the, all the therapists telling me, well, here's some medicine, here's some medicine. Do you want some medicine? Take a break. I didn't take a break. I was probably the most stubborn person they'd met because I went through rehab in about nine days or so. And I was told by everybody in the facility that nobody goes through re physical rehab that fast. But through an assload of pain and effort and gritting my teeth and cussing at myself, I got through physical rehab. And now every day that I wake up, I'm happy. But every single day I wake up, I'm also in pain. My pain is at a fair for every single day of my life. And no, I realize a pill is not going to solve my problem permanently because it's not meant to. They'd have to go in and do some brain surgery to eliminate the pain or that or cut the nerve uh, uh, like mid-shin or some crap to eliminate the pain. I'd better be able to feel my foot than have it be numb now. So, yeah. A cure-all for pain <clears throat> isn't what the market needs. Now, for cancers, 
um, you know, lymphoma, uh, muscular dystrophy, all those. If they had a pill that cured all that crap, people would pay out the buck for it, but it would also collapse the industry. If you come up with treatments that are slightly effective, people will keep buying that. It's the hope gimmick. It's almost, it's just a hair better than the placebo effect. And I got a feeling this is probably going to stretch into two uh, episodes, into two uh, separate episodes. What do you think, dear? <laughs> My wife's already annoyed with me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to do some more research. And, um... I still know plenty of people. I still know uh, plenty of people that um, for taking the ganja, and I will not be stupid enough to release their names because that's on, uh, that's their thing that I can't partake of. But um, yeah, if if you really want to think about it, some of the happiest people I know, some of the happiest people, are high. They're, they're a pain in the ass to deal with, a lot, uh, quite a few, uh, quite a bit of the time. But like, there's a few people I know for a fact can compete with me as far as pain because of uh, different different physical issues. Kind of like my ankle uh, and my PTSD. They have they have similar issues, not the exact same thing. I got at least I've got at least two friends who've got uh, issues with just moving around. One is rheumatoid. Uh, one has rheumatoid arthritis and gout. The other one has whatever he has, but I'm not going to mention his name for the life of me. <clears throat> but yeah, we're making the, all these companies rich. And yes, if they can release us a dumbed-down, watered-down version of what we know to be the truth, and market as marketed as a treatment instead of a cure, yes, they will, and they will rake in the dough. They do not care about the health of your mother or your grandmother or your daughter or you. They care about how much you're paying them for the drug. And if they have you on a drug program how much money they're going to be able to uh, bilk from you in that process. I have a problem with that, but that's just me. But uh, I'm going to cut this uh, uh, podcast short because I need to do some more research on more of this crap. And I'm sure I have people on Facebook who will help me with that. But this is, I think we're definitely called going to call this a two-parter and it will resume at some point here in the future and when it does I will let you guys know because this should be epic and awesome uh, maybe somebody will actually make a choice to do something different for once but until next time I'm not sure what the next podcast and the next other podcast is going to be about but I know we're going to continue with Big Pharma at some point here in this first season of this uh, this radio program, speak up. Um, 
Next, may, well, next we might start talking about um, snowflakes, leftists, and rightists, and all that shit. I'm not sure yet. I've decided. I, I, I've been writing this big pharma thing for like a week, or... Oh, excuse me. I've been contemplating on what to write and talk about as far as big pharma goes, so... When I know, you'll know, and everything should be awesome, man. So, you guys take it easy, and, um... Thank you, Amy Sonster, for giving me the idea for the... Uh, for supplementing my idea for this podcast. She really did kick it into gear for me today. That's why I did it today, is because of Amy. And, yeah, hopefully some more you'll hear about this. Um... If you are listening to this podcast, we're available. It's available on other platforms like uh, Renegade Radio or some weird thing, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, go ahead and check it. Uh, go ahead and recommend it to your friends if you like it. If you don't, please tell me how to improve. But I'm gonna get off here because I'm starting to smell bread. All right, have fun. Bye. Okay. Oh, it took me...